0: All right, folks, welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. This is Kirk Henderson. I'm coming to you live on the locker room map for those listening to the podcast. Josh Bo and I just finished recording. Uh, We had a really nice time because that was a really nice win. Uh, For those who didn't follow the game too closely, the Dallas Mavericks showed up looking not entirely awake. And the Miami Heat hit eight of nine threes, but the Mavericks managed to kind of close the gap to kind of figure things out after giving up 39 points in the first uh, quarter. Then in the second uh, the second quarter, the Mavericks made uh, what ended up being a monumental turn of events, and they inserted rookie Josh Green into the lineup, who provided a pretty preposterously awesome spark. Uh, doing a lot of little things, rebounding, uh, just, like, moving, like, playing hard. It was kind of wild. And the Mavericks just sort of blew the heat right off the floor. Uh, In the second half, uh, Josh Green actually started with Josh Richardson going to the bench, and the Mavericks continued to really just pour it on Miami. And then in the third, uh, which was so effective that in the fourth quarter, Luka Doncic didn't have to play a single minute. And the Mavericks ended up running away from uh, with the game, one, I think it was 127 to 113, something like that. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so why don't you guys get your thoughts ready, come up on stage here, talk about it a little bit, talk about what your feelings are, let's wildly overreact to every aspect of this game because that's what we're here for. Uh, so coming up first, I have Brandon. Brandon, what's up?
1: Hey, Kurt, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. I'm. I I need to figure out how AirPods work. This is this is just <laughs> such an old person problem. I can't hear anything. It's very alarming. I must have like the noise cancellation on, whatever. Uh but yeah, what's going on? <laughs> oh, I'm so
1: excited for this. I've been. Uh, I've actually asked you about Josh Green on this uh, locker room before, and the glimpses that he's given. Um, I mean, it was so so nice to see him. Finally, first of all, I mean, Carlisle just giving him more than like four minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. But see him, you know, obviously every time he comes in, like I feel like he always gets like at least one offensive rebound. And he makes like one pass that pretty much anybody outside of Luka can't make. I mean, is it crazy to say that he's the second best passer on this team? I know that's a very low bar to clear.
0: I'm not sure. I like it. I like the thought because one thing I will say about most of the roster is that passing is a last resort option, <laughs> and it doesn't feel that way with him, where if you're playing in kind of the flow he's so uh uh just he he i don't know i I've yet to get a sense for what he's gonna do with the ball, which is probably how opposing defenses feel
1: yeah i mean he he definitely keeps the ball moving i harp even said on the uh on the broadcast tonight almost to his detriment because sometimes he just needs to look for a shot a little bit more. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, it, it was so nice to see him make those same flashes and obviously for an entire quarter. And plus you we know, whenever he came out in the second half, but also to not have nearly as many, I can't really even think of some of this dumb rookie stuff, you know, some of the super dumb fouls and just the really awkward around the rim stuff that he's had so far. I mean, he looked like he belonged on an NBA court the entire time to me. Yep. And I'm hoping that first of all, that just carries, gives him confidence for the rest of the season and maybe gives Rick some confidence in him to actually play him and let him work everything out on the court. Cause I feel like part of the problem is he's just had such a short leash and it's just kind of like a never ending spiral.
0: Sure. Sure. And, and, The Heat were a good team to play him against because they were playing without multiple parts of their normal lineup. You know, Jimmy Butler not being in the game was obviously pretty impactful as things wore down. Oh, for sure. It it was just good to see him go without getting yanked. Uh, And I'm not, you know, there's only, I don't know how many games are left, guys, what, seven, eight? It's the sort of thing where he's, like just just being honest he's not likely to play in a game that feels as meaningful as that one for the rest of the year like he'll probably play in the Cavs games but if the Mavericks lose to the Cavs we just have all sorts of different problems <laughs> that don't involve yeah. Josh Green you know um so that that's just kind of in my head at the moment and but at the same time it's it's something to build off of uh it it just it makes me think, really, and this is what a lot of you guys have talked about for, for ages. Uh, Bibbs has talked about this on, on you know, Mavs Outsiders and some of the other things where it's just, you know, what if you gave some of those minutes earlier? I, I, I that's something I'm going to think about for a long time because, like, what's the point of having like 17 guys in the roster if you're not going to play them? And with Carlisle, just kind of opted not to. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little. <laughs> It's a little frustrating, but, you know, this, this is where we are now. And, and more than anything, I, I just I, I want to be glad. And then the, the kind of tertiary benefit was all of a sudden, Josh, Josh Richardson looked like a damn basketball player. Um, oh, yeah. And, and Jason's in the chat saying, I don't get this take they weren't ready or what, what, what has made them more ready, Jason, you're going to have to explain that when you come up on stage, like they haven't practiced, like they haven't gotten any time together. Sometimes you just need to be able to play four to five minutes twice a game to be able to do it. And when you look at these guys, game logs, they get three minutes at the very end with Boban. Like there's no meaningful minutes and, you know, watching Josh Richardson stumble around for more than a month has been very confusing to me because the man's just in quicksand, and I would—I was the last one really to to assume that he would have. You know, I mean, this was the first game since March tw- or no, the Utah game on on April fifth, and then there was a game on March twenty first. This was the only other game since then where Richardson has shot above fifty percent from the floor, <laughs> and it was just—it oh it was. This was kind of a, a get right game for a few guys, like. You know, Luca was out of his mind, and we're probably like, he's probably like the fifth most interesting thing to happen in this game, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, what was it? 36 points from Tim Hardaway almost broke the team record for three pointers in a game. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, you know, the title of this everybody's talking about Josh Green. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: yeah, I'm delighted. Well, you got anything else, Brandon? So I'm going to cycle through some folks.
1: Yeah, just uh, um, I'm curious. I mean, this this is just the pure overreaction in me right now. But, I mean, since he did it at halftime, I'm very curious to see if Rick might test this Josh Green over Josh Richardson to at least start
0: halves uh, in the future. I mean, I I sort of wish that Green would get the chance to start. And if he fumbles around and looks like an idiot, he can't be any worse than some of the starts the Mavericks have gotten off to for like a month and a half now. Like when I I was driving home from getting takeout, and I look at my phone at a stoplight, and it's 14 to 3. And I'm just like, what are these guys doing? (laughs) So I'm not seeing how they can get off on any worse starts. I do doubt he changes it, though um there I still am I'm kind of addicted to my confidence take with Josh Richardson where it's just there's got to be they're trying to get him to play through the muck um Josh Bo and I on the podcast tonight said that like I I just can't help but feel that there's a a like a positive regression coming for Josh Green and hopefully it would come at like a really idea not Josh Green Josh Richardson uh, that it would come at like, oh, hey, we're playing the, the Clippers in the first round. And all of a sudden, Josh Josh Richardson has hit four out of five threes in the, you know, through three quarters in game one. And the, and the Clippers don't know what to do. Like, that's where my brain is. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that would
1: be ideal because if it happens in the playoffs instead of maybe like right before the playoffs, uh, it's more likely that, you know, somebody would overpay for him and he could, uh,
0: you know, maybe opt out instead of opting in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out. Yep, thanks. Okay, well, until Jason gets his uh, audio figured out, I'm going to bring up Ike. Ike, how are you? I'm good, Kirk. How you doing tonight? You know, pretty well. Pretty well. Reasonably early start time to the game. The game finished. Now I'm here talking to you guys well before midnight.
2: <laughs> Always a plus. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you still think Josh Green sucks? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I, I will couch it in that. And this is something Josh Bo talked about on our podcast where he said, do you remember his bringing up some of the early days of Jay Crowder where Jay Crowder would have like wild plus minus stats, but never yeah. really do much statistically. And his right. energy was, yeah. was just, it mattered to those, to those Mavericks his his early his early year, and then a couple of months with the Mavericks. And I think that Josh Green, if they can minimize his weaknesses, which, frankly, is, like, experience, really. Like, his defensive energy is great. His offensive energy is, um, like, I would qualify as, like, chaotic good. uh, But Rick doesn't like chaos. Uh, I just want them to see him... I just want to see him get a few minutes a game with guys that are way better than him. So all he has to do is play hard because when he plays hard, good things happen. Like that's, that's sort of it. Like his shot is busted. And I think we're just going to be here for a while, but Dorian Finney Smith's shot was busted for like three years. And now he's probably like the third most important Maverick. So, you know, there's a foundation there. It is fun to see him because he is huge. Like Josh Green is huge. Like the Cowboys would love to have him. He's just such a big guy. So I, I, so so my my take is is yes, he he might still suck, but it doesn't matter if the Mavericks, you know, team teams are built by by surrounding guys, uh, uh, you know, minimizing weaknesses and accentuating strengths.
2: Yeah, I guess. I guess I won't go as far to say that he sucks because, you know, when it came time for the draft, I was actually hoping the Mavs would draft him Ooh. just because of his athletic profile. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I was in the Josh green camp, but I would just say he's underdeveloped and a uh, context means everything. And I mean, he's one of the rookies that a- actually needed like an actual, like legitimate preseason and in, in sure. as far sure. as summer league and the, you know, pre, um, uh, uh, camp, uh, pre-camp, you know, before the season start and stuff like that. And you can just tell. You know, so, you know, I, I kind of keep that in context as, as far no, as you're things. right. Yeah. He's like a deer with headlights out there, but you know, his energy and in, his defensive intensity, I mean, it's, it's truly a value on this team because this team, our team too, oftentimes they just sleepwalk to begin the game and dig themselves an unnecessary hole. Whereas, you know, he can come in and, and, you know, what do they say? You know, that type of energy and effort that um you can bring on the court, it can be infectious, and you kind of saw the uh, the byproduct of that today.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's been something, like, I'm sure Christian will come up here later and want to talk about this, because it's it's just the thing that I've not, like, a lot, of, a lot of fans will lay it at Carlisle, and I understand why and say, ah, oh, it's up to Carlisle to get these guys to motivated, but It's, you know, he can't make them play. And, and some of these guys are just not built to go, go, go. And I really like seeing, it's kind of why I'm like, like more and more leaning into the idea of Lonzo ball, because like Luca needs someone else to push the ball on his behalf. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. What else we got?
2: Oh, that's it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a Debbie downer tonight. We won. I I think
0: we're in what seat are we we in? i have not even checked. Let's see We're here. We're fifth now. See, fifth. Fifth is where we yeah. want to be. Fifth makes me happy. Makes my Laker, friend, wanted... Laker fan friends upset. And that is really one of the things I live for.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I wanted to kind of come on here and cuss about Trevor Ariza, but I'll bite my tongue. That's all I have, man.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming up. All right. Coming up next Team Josh, Josh McSwag. How are we, Josh? <laughs> Good,
3: Kirk. Long-time listener. I don't think I've actually talked to you on your pod before.
0: Why not? Uh, yeah, thanks for joining.
3: Yeah, you know why I'm here, though.
0: I do. <laughs> Speak your piece.
3: I'm I'm here to collect apologies, because um, <laughs> I'm vindicated. <laughs>
0: I, I like. I, couple... I for one, love one-game sample sizes. I'm a big, <laughs> oh, no, no, big no, no. So fan of not, it. I'm not letting you off the hook with that. No, no, no. <laughs> for, the pa-
3: for, for the past couple of months, I was telling anybody who would listen, or even those who wouldn't, that Josh Green should be playing more, and specifically, he should be taking Richardson's minutes. I've been saying that literally since February. I have the receipts. And you sure. and Josh Bowe said I was crazy. You said he's a zero on offense, and I quote, unplayable. You said he was unplayable. To me now just because he can't knock down a corner three doesn't mean he doesn't have value sure I feel like like we forget that sports is like so much of sports is just effort and say whatever you want about Josh Green's offense but playing hard fucking matters
0: it and does I feel
3: like, and I feel like Green's value is that he's our best effort player like bar none
0: well I think there's I think there's a lot to it i I, I mentioned it talking talking just a second ago where I feel that more than anything, there's not, he doesn't act, I'm trying to think how to phrase this right. There's not a lot of guys like, where I feel like that when they play, it's actively harmful. <laughs> and like, playing hard is rarely going to result in, in actively harmful stuff. Uh, you know, the Mavericks have a bunch of smart guys. Their schemes are set up a certain way. It's not like Green's going to get in the position to like, have like three live ball turnovers in a row or anything like that. So, I do I, I do think that he probably should have been playing a little bit um, because, I, I mean, if you go back and look at the box scores from, like, February 1st on, even though the Mavericks have been winning a lot of those games, they're also playing, like, seven- to eight-man rotations, and that's why some of these guys are just so ground down, and I think that's going to be a little bit of an opportunity cost. Um, I don't entirely understand why Rick has been so hard on him. I don't – nothing comes to mind – that, that explains why he wasn't playing past the fact that he he just, like, that floater layup he had tonight was so awesome. Well, but how many times have we seen him shoot the ball in the crease between the <laughs> rim and the basket? Like, well, how about- he has no touch. <laughs> no, um, no, I'm not,
3: I'm not even going to debate that. But did you see that pass that Luca he, he tossed it to him, uh, he, and, and Josh Green was cutting along the baseline. And the, and the pass was about two feet over Josh Green's head and, and about a foot out of bounds. So he had to leap out of bounds, catch the ball, and then he fired it straight to JJ Redick for a while. That was fight. a good one. Like that was incredible. Like yeah, that that was incredible. Now Redick, of course, bricked the three that would have given Josh Green an incredible assist, but it's just stuff like that and that levitating floater that he had. Like there's just things this guy does that that
0: don't show up in the box score that shows up when you watch the game. Sure, sure. And and they need that. The, it's just it increased. I mean, the Mavericks were in a bit of a were were just kind of in the mud until he got in the game, and it was it was nice to see him figure some things out. I don't know if it means anything for this year. I do think uh, Josh, Bo, and I talked on the post game podcast kind of about how maybe it would be something if um if he gets to to if Luca gets to play with more athletes. Uh, the the lineup tonight this was says Hardaway Powell. Benny Smith, Luca, and Green played 12 minutes, um, and they were 14 of 20 from the floor and were a plus 18. Um, <laughs> and it, granted, small sample, but there was just like, there's a lot going on with that lineup. It wasn't pre, you know, kind of w- with a lot of the lineups that the Mavs have had to date, you, you know what's going to happen. Luca's going to walk the ball up the floor, it's going to be a high screen and roll. There's going to be either a trap on Luca, so he passes. Like, with those guys, like, Green took one of the rebounds, and Luca didn't make it past half court because Green just kind of ran and then flipped it back to to Hardaway for a three. And the Mavs need more of that. They need to play with more pace. Um, yeah. And, and the energy kind of begets pace for me.
3: Yeah. Well, that's all I really want to say. I don't want to take up any more time. I'll see if Jason fixes Mike so he can talk about Richardson Island, if it's still there. Um, sure. But th- thanks again, Kirk, and uh, play Josh Green.
0: Oh, thanks for coming up, Josh. Okay, we will try Matt. Hey Matt. Matt, you can't have audio problems too. Unmute. I don't. I'm good. Sorry. <laughs> I have a fat finger. I'm just teasing. I can't have my can't have my favorite callers not be able to talk. It's no fun. Okay.
4: Um, so one of the things on the Josh Green, I mentioned this a little bit earlier with Dalton. Uh playmaking can serve as a substitute for shooting. And as an example of this, I will give you Draymond Green who is shooting 25% on 2.33s for 36 minutes this year, but the Warriors offense is 10 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court than off the court.
0: Contextualize that for me a little bit. Say that again. So, I'm trying to process it while reading the comments in the chat.
4: What I am saying is, is that if you can playmake, if you can pass, which I believe Josh Green, like we joke about it, and it's kind of halfway a joke and halfway true at this point, that I really do think he's the second best passer on this team. There are only so many threes that a team can take. And as much as we love to talk about five out and everything, if you only have one guy that doesn't shoot, then it's fine, especially if that guy can pass. So Josh Green may not be a guy that can shoot, but like there are several possessions today where he got the ball and then he moves it along to another guy who can shoot, who gets a better look. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's, that's a lot of what Draymond does is Draymond turns down open shot after open shot, after open shot, but because of how well he passes, and attacks creases and things, which even if teams know – it's weird because even if teams know you won't score, as a basketball player, you're so conditioned that if a guy starts penetrating, you go to help. And so that's where you end up – the spacing works similarly to if you could actually shoot. Hmm.
0: Well, the ball doesn't stick with him at all, and the Mavericks have a problem with that between their two primary ball handlers with Luka and Brunson and yes. and there's there's obviously something to that you're correct i'm just i'm really trying to think about what that means for the mavericks going forward because i think the team as we've seen them is kind of who they are like i just don't i don't think green's going to get to play anymore like it, it, rick is who he is he he might get five spot minutes here and there and maybe that's enough to make an impact but i just don't see rick like really altering his rotation i think they're playing to get KP back, and then I think they're going to play a certain way and they're going to figure it out in the playoffs, and then maybe the offseason is the time to speed it up. But I just can't help but think of, you know, uh, there was an article on Mavs Moneyball by our guy Ben talking about Luka's usage rate and just how it's pretty preposterous. And I I, I just – I've been thinking for days about ways that the Mavericks – should try to get the ball out of his hands, and the ball needs to be moving more and more. And the Warriors are kind of a good – because they just play such a different style of basketball than the rest of the league if there's things that the Mavericks can steal from that where the ball doesn't stick in one guy's hands. Because it's – I see what you mean, though, about it being a substitute for shooting because the defense is off kilter. Uh, When he would drive, that didn't seem like something they were expecting. Yeah. And so and part of it, um, too, I
4: mentioned this earlier and have gotten some pushback. I think his ceiling is Golden State Andre Iguodala. I think that is a good thing for him to shoot for. He was also not a great shooter. And before everyone goes nuts on that, Iguodala and Golden State averaged seven points, four rebounds and three assists. So it's not like he was doing as much stuff as everyone thinks he was. Oh, sure. Like he was a, a- Yeah. Yeah, he was just but he was an extremely good defender. He was a really good ball ball mover and secondary playmaker. He was he's built actually a lot like Green and that he is a guard that's not really that big like as far as height wise. Like he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, but just barrel-chested and large and
5: yeah. extremely
4: strong. And I think like I really do think that is the goal for him. Uh also to incorporate the entire Josh Green experience uh it amuses me to watch the things that he just doesn't know how to do that regular nba players do and he's the first player in the history of basketball that i've ever seen take a jump ball with his left foot forward his
0: shoulders completely square and then try to win the jump ball with his right hand oh my my wife looked up and goes oh no he just lost a he just lost the the jump ball to the law school student
4: yeah because he did it the wrong way i've never seen anyone put their left foot forward and try to win the jump ball with their right hand
0: yeah that's was, that's Um, That was amazing. I didn't actually see the way he was standing because I wasn't. I didn't have a ton to do with the game tonight, so I was like eating Chipotle and like playing on the internet. I probably should have been paying more attention to that possession, but that's that's pretty incredible.
4: Another thing that I think that this game, um, the start was not good, but one of the things that we really used as the uh, delineating points last year was when KP went to center. But I actually think one of the important things that with that is it's also when Dorian Finney-Smith went to power forward. Which mm. This is one of the first times this year that we've done that. And I know the start was bad, but I just the the offense moves so much better when he's at power forward because he moves. He tries to get rebounds occasionally like he does the little rim running thing. And when he's shooting like he has been lately and like he did last year, it's just everything. Everything works so much better. And I mean, I, I really like Maxi, and I understand for certain matchups, so- why maxi makes sense and maxi may even make sense as center depending on certain things but the man he's a
0: power forward he stands somewhere he doesn't do a lot of moving
4: yeah he doesn't move and i mean i i like uh christian's buzzwords energy my my buzzword is dynamic like sure. it just makes us more dynamic whenever dorian's at power forward because he moves he cuts to the rim he cuts maxi stands wherever he is going to stand and that's it that's all he's doing
0: yep Yep, agree with that entirely. Man, we got a full room tonight. You guys must like talking about the beating the heat. Um, you got anything else for us this evening, Matt?
4: Uh, no, that's pretty much it. It was a great game, a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it was good not to lose to the one random player being super hot. I was it's true. Freaking out a little bit when Trevor Riesel made like five of his first six threes.
0: Yeah, very, very not cool. Hello. Like, Glad I, we won. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining. All right, coming up next, we have Christian. Hey, Christian. Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? I'm all right, man. Trying to multitask while we're while we're doing here, doing some
5: editing on the Mavs Moneyball. Ball,
0: doing some uh, talking to you guys. So what's going on?
5: No, I was going to pretend I couldn't talk, so you had to sit there and think another person went down to the Almighty app, but
0: well, um, yeah, the app's been having some. Uh, some problems lately.
5: Yeah, it kicked <laughs> me out of the... Like, I joined, listened for two minutes, and it kicked me out all of a sudden. So, it, yeah, it's been funky. Um, but I was just going to say, I a few things that I noticed were... Uh, I thought the switching on defense from the second quarter on looked really good. Um, so that was exciting. And I think getting back to one of the main points that we've been kind of talking about, I mean, Josh Green really had an impact on this game that, you know, the box store doesn't really uh, give the full picture, but I think, you know, between uh, some of the passes he made, I know Josh uh, mentioned the pass where he, you know, threw it to Reddick out in the corner. That was fantastic. But I think, uh, this game kind of gave me hope long term, because when you really think about it, no, uh, no summer league, um, you know, no real off season. It's been condensed, so no real practice. On top of that, even his one year in college, he, uh, you know, it was interrupted by COVID and things like that. So I think um, he still has a lot of developing to do. And if he can even, I think it was Matt that mentioned Iguodala, if he could even become close to that, I think that's going to be a huge asset for the team. Um, and I saw your tweet, and it made me think about it. I, I You know, Josh Richardson did look uh, quite a bit better effectively being a bench player. So do you think that's something Rick might entertain
0: I would hope so. I doubt it. (laughs) Like Rick has this tendency and I can't prove any of this. And we're now half an hour through this, but I do know for a fact that he actually reads a lot of the things that are put out about the team and they have data coming in from all over the place. They have these, you know, they, they have a a crack analytics staff. and, And sometimes I just wonder if it's Carl getting hit from multiple angles about um about a piece of information. I know for a fact if you read uh Bob Bob Stern's book this year will be different about the 2010-2011 Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks finally started stop shooting 15-foot jumpers at like around like game 70 of the regular season and started taking threes and then they mowed through everyone in the playoffs. Where it took 70 games for for the analytics staff to get through to him. And then the team about stop taking these open fifteen foot jumpers and take the, the, the shot that's a few feet back. And so some things with sometimes with Rick, it's just he knows, but he wants to give things long enough to play out. And it it to me, it always feels like he he stays with or against something a few games longer than necessary, as if to try to prove a point. And maybe with Richardson, this was this was the thing. Because he's he's just not been good. So I would like to hope that this was the thing, but I just I it's going to take me a couple of games and, you know, maybe we'll be able to look back in hindsight and say, this was the time, but it's just, it's hard for me to believe, you know?
5: Yeah, I agree. I, I just, he, he seemed, and you know, I think a lot of us had mentioned this, like obviously when you're on the, you're a bench player and part of the second unit, when you would go against their bench players, you know, he's going to have a more likelihood to actually do well. And, I just think it it was kind of funny to me. Like Josh Green is just has such crazy jumps that like that ball that went out of bounds. It's like he's in the air for five seconds and he has good enough vision to like almost like a quarterback make his reads to find the open guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I I just think right away he's already a good defender. He showed he's a solid passer. And I think – You know, we all remember uh, Dodo's early years um, and a lot of others to where it's promising. He has the defensive side uh, down pretty well, his passing's well. He just needs to stop dribbling like he's wondering if Rick's going to pull him any second for any little mistake and, uh, you know, fix that jumper. And I think uh, we could be in a good position. But all in all, good to see the, you know, make the trademark announcement that from the second quarter on, the energy was up. Um, And then, uh, you know, we're the fifth seed. So not much to complain. Let's just hope uh, they can catch some momentum. And, my God, hopefully Tim stays like this with his family in attendance for every game and he could keep this streak going into the playoffs. Because when he's on like he has been lately, uh, we're a hard team to beat
0: they are did you see that in the past two starts he's at 42 and 36 (laughs) (laughs) and that's just that's just crazy it's it's so fun to watch him when he's on because it's just like like the ultimate it's like watching a guy on a poker heater it's just incredible um all right well thank you for hanging out you got anything else
5: no appreciate it kirk and uh you know as always and
0: that's right that's right All right. Coming up next, we have, man, we got a lot of people asked to come up. Jack, what's up, Jack? Hey, how's it going? It's
6: good. Um, I just think that Josh Richardson played great. I know, uh, we've been talking a lot about him, but I think he played great. Um, I have two other things. One, probably ridiculous. Another one I think is a valid complaint. Um, but the first one is basically just like I think the last couple of games, considering how Josh Green has played and considering how poorly Melly has played and knowing that Kleba might be gone for the last, you know, they could sit him out longer than just two to three games. I'm just wondering if they could rotate in Bay. i probably not going to happen um, because I think when Josh is playing with Luca, um he plays much better. And I would just be interested to see how Bay looks alongside Luca because they are playing Melly when Luca is in. Um, And then the second thing is that uh, we were really lucky that the Heat stopped hitting threes because Luca had seven horrendous turnovers. Yeah. That I was just thinking like these are totally going to come back to bite us. Yeah, because he was. I mean, like, the Heat did, a, you know, a good scheme where they doubled him and forced him to kind of, like, the more of, like, top uh, right of the key or left of the key and kind of towards the the sideline. But he, I mean, like, if, if we're going to consider him as a top-five player, he has to be able to have some sort of composure in those types of situations. And, like, he's played the Heat, you know, six times now, I think, maybe even more, and they've done this every single time. Like, he knows what's coming and he
7: just—I
6: mean, maybe that has something to do with not having another secondary ball handler. But it like, does. These jump, these jump passes are just—I mean, like it would—it would be so easy to have someone just run to the top of the top of the key and and kind of help him out, like have have Willie or Dwight go there. And because they were kind of breaking it towards you know maybe like the the second or third quarter, but he was just throwing way too many, and I. I was just getting really frustrated with
0: that. Well, so so one thing you'll notice with Luca is that he rarely makes the same mistake from quarter to quarter. And he, I can't remember which side it was. Is Talk Franco showed me it a couple of weeks ago? Luca gets doubled on more possessions than any player in the league. And the difference between like him and the fifth most important or the fifth most doubled guy is kind of a chasm. Like it's really the only thing that defenses can do to stop him at this point in his career. Um, because it's asking him to both make the right decision and also the teammate on the receiving end make the right decision. And the Mavericks, it's it's like a strong argument for for like a Mavericks finding a not only a secondary ball handler, but also like a role man who knows what he's doing. Like when Luka throws it to Willie Cauley-Stein in the middle of the lane and if it's not above the rim, it feels like it's a turnover waiting to happen. And and that's just it, – it's – you know, you're asking you're asking a a big man on a high screen role to make the right decision, and that's hard. These guys aren't trained to do that. It just it's it's not what big guys are are taught to do. That it's it's a hard skill to learn. Powell is often great about going to the right spot on the floor, but the the ones that were frustrating to me were the ones that happened off of made heat baskets. Um, there's one right at the end of the first half, and it was shot clock or the eight second violation. Uh, that was on Jalen Brunson and Josh Richardson. Thank goodness the Luca wasn't in that one. Was a different kind of Maverick stupid, but uh, there was one right at the end of the half where he, like Josh Green came up to him afterwards and was like, "Sorry, my bad," because he went to the wrong. He he basically was implying that he went to the wrong spot on the floor. But I know exactly what you're talking about because it sometimes it's like Luca invites the double to try to throw a heart like to to see if he can get away with a cooler pass.
6: And yeah, and this, he, it was.
0: I was glad that they that it didn't kill them.
6: Yeah, I mean, I don't even think. I mean, I'm sure like the a ball handler would be good, but I mean, like, it's literally like Tim or Josh is just standing on the other side, like, of the court, like on the other side of the sideline, um, at half court, like expecting Luca to do something. And I just mm-hmm. like they they need to be moving. Uh, it just it's just ridiculous to me. Like, and then he tries like those like crazy no look jump jump passes to Willie like cutting down the lane and, and those those are always sure. those always infuriate me I mean I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know like I think we played really well but that was just something that I noticed and then also the the bay thing hopefully that happens probably won't but thank you for having me up of course no
0: thanks for joining us always um let's see here yeah, as as Matt is noting in the chat, come to the ball. Basically, I think part of the reason those turnovers happen in traps is because NBA teams never, ever, 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 ever practice working against a full court press. They might have done it. They know how to do it instinctually. They should know better, but this is just not something that that teams would ever think to work on. So you have these like elementary mistakes that probably like high school and middle school basketball coaches are screaming at the TV. Come to the ball. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. All right, coming up next, we have Jared. Hey, Jared, what's going on? Got to hit the unmute. There yeah. We go. Sorry, you you cut
8: out. you said my name. Um, yeah, yeah, I need to be so better about that. The um the Mavs better start practicing um what to do when when Luca gets doubled because if they play the Clippers in the first round, they're gonna get Luke gonna get harassed every yep. second he's on the court. So if they don't sort that stuff out. It's going to be a very long first round. Well, might be a very short first round. Um, long for Luca, might be short for the Mavs. Um, other thing I was going to say is with with Josh Green, yeah, it's it's, it's it was an exciting game, um, especially for Australian viewers. Um, but yeah, like like a lot of people have been saying, you've got to temper the expectations a bit. Um, there's no way Rick's going to make a major change to the um, rotation this late in the season. Right. Um, I actually think he will make a change after the first or second game in the first round if they're starting games like they have recently. I think Josh uh, Richardson might actually get benched. Yeah. Um, But maybe for Reddick as opposed to Green. Um, Because their starts have been pretty disgraceful in some of these games. And... um, it's just maybe, I don't know if it's just an energy thing. They're playing against teams that they're just expecting to beat. It's late in the season, which has been a really weird season, I guess. So maybe yeah. once the playoffs start, they'll have the energy and the the hype to actually get their crap together. But um, mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but with Green, I don't know if you noticed, with most of the other Australian players that have come into the league, like Deliver Dover and... Simmons and Ingalls, they're all, um, that high energy hustle, um, sort of player. Um, Simmons is probably the best example of defense wise. Um, and then, um, Ingles, I think mean, he does the, the absolute best that he can with his, um, athletic potential, I guess you say. Right. Um,
0: <laughs> really <laughs> skilled bring... player. But not yeah. exactly like a fast twitch muscle guy.
8: No, but he, he's just got the. Um, he played a lot of years over in in Europe, um, in the Spanish league, so he just developed the um, uh, the abilities and the um, the knowledge to know what he, what what he can do to make most of his his skills. Um, whereas Green, I guess, is, is more similar to, to Simmons in terms of athletic ability. So. I actually think that this off-season, if he does develop a, a shot to some degree, even if it's low thirty percent, um, that's going to be a major boost to the Mavs next year because everyone seems excited to bring in, say, best case scenario, bring in like Collins,
0: mm-hmm.
8: but that, that's going to cost you Richardson and
0: and Hardaway. Something. So, it's going to do. Yeah, it's going to be. It's challenging. Like we're all talking about it, but it's not, it's not an easy thing to have happen.
8: So if they, if they do end up getting a max or near max player, then you're going to need green, Terry, those sort of guys to actually make a step up to some degree, just to give, give an option. I'm not saying they're going to start or anything, but just to add the extra rotation player for basically for free in the off season.
0: Yeah. No, he's, he's going to be very important to things moving forward. Our, uh, Lauren Gunn actually wrote a piece on, the, on that earlier this week, just about that long term, and it's it's nice to see it. You know, it's nice to see her her kind of prediction paying off um, this week because it's it's been kind of hanging out. I mean, I've just I've been a little skeptical, and then you know Josh McSwag in the chat teased me about it for a while, but it's just you know, it, rarely do you see. I, I don't know if I've ever seen the Mavericks do this with any younger player where it's you know. Six or seven games for the end of the season, and that now is when the rookie gets meaningful minutes in a game that really matters so
8: yeah i mean he did he did play in the when everyone was out with covid
0: and yeah, but like I, even I then he but... was not being put in the position to succeed, he was no, being and, you know like he... the the bulls game where he played thirty two minutes was without Luca like if you're playing a game without Luca. All love to Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson looks for Jalen Brunson more than anything yeah. else. It's not like Green was getting, you know, fed shots while cutting.
8: And like other people have said, like because of his shooting, he has to be the um, the non the one non shooter on the court. So you need Porzingis or Maxi at the center to give that right. like, spacing. Um, but do you actually know what's happening with Summer League this year?
0: Nothing official, but I am pretty sure it's going to happen probably the second week in August. Uh, I don't know if it'll be condensed or anything like that, but I am pretty sure they will do something. Um, now, how that conflicts with the Olympics is not something I have heard because the Olympics, you know, the, the, a lot of Americans kind of eye roll at this at this point. But the Olympics is extremely important to, to non to non-American players. Uh, I've, I've, I actually asked Mark Stein about this earlier in the week. And he said like guys like Rigo bear and some of these players are, they just get it's, you know, it's not quite, it, it depends on what's happening with international basketball and the world championships and things like that. But these guys want to play for their country. And then green is on the scent, the, the men's senior national team in Australia, right? Yeah. He's in the, he's in the squad. I think it's like a squad of 30, um, right? So he we'll like, just, he has a we'll chance come... to make that team.
8: Yeah, it just comes down to which other players a want to go to the middle or want to go. I guess to some degree, unless they've got issues with the um COVID stuff, COVID, going yeah. On. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever other injuries and whether Um, somebody like Ben Simmons or Ingles might be in the NBA Finals, so they might not even be able to go to the Olympics, right? If it's because of the timing.
0: But yeah, Josh. Right. It's going to be it's going to be very tight. I know for a fact yeah. they're trying to get the finals done. That's why they push so hard the second half of the year is because they want these guys to be available for the Olympics.
8: Yeah, so Josh might be like the the young guy they take along to give him experience, right? Kind of thing. But yeah, right. They've got another guy coming through called uh, Josh Giddy. Um,
0: is this that that six eight point guard guy?
8: Yeah, he plays for my local team here in. Um, oh, does he Australia. really? He's
0: good. Um, I've watched some clips. He's going to be fun.
8: Yeah, he's got a similar issue in that um, he can't really shoot yet. Um, so he's he's kind of got that. Um, I guess you'd call him a bit like Lonzo when he came out of. Um, oh, okay. Where, where he's quite versatile, awesome passer, rebounder, but yeah, you don't you can't rely on his his shooting. It's, it's improved a lot from the start of the year, but that's still from not from the NBA range. Um, yeah, select like international range. So. He's projected to go anywhere from six to like twenty because of the um, the draft is pretty weird this year with the top five guys and then everyone else for the next fifteen spots. A lot of
0: talent. I'm pissed we don't have a pick because there's a lot of guys that I would just love to insert in this lineup, even though we know Rick wouldn't play them.
8: (laughs) I mean, Giddy would be um, actually would probably play pretty well next to Luca, kind of like a Jingles sort of utility. Mm -hmm. Um, Add that extra passer. Um, right. But the, yeah, but obviously, unless they make a trade or something, that's not really going to happen. But,
0: but yeah, well, thank you for hanging for out, Jared. What else do we got? Anything on? I'll
8: let somebody else come up.
0: We right, a meeting well, anyway. I'm at, at work. Yep. <laughs> have a good rest of the day. Appreciate you. See ya. All right. Yeah. How cool is it that he can come in from across the world to talk to us live? All right. Coming up next, we have Dion. What's happening? Dan, Hello? are you there? How are
5: you yep. how are you doing Can you hear me? Yep. How are you doing? I I just wanted to ask you about uh about Tim Hardaway Jr. and um if you think he's he's uh in the conversation for six men of the year. Fun question.
0: Uh Zach Lowe talked about this today with who was it? Kurt, uh the near- uh, was it? No, um I know Beck. I was Howard, yeah, him. Howard Beck. And Howard Beck, yeah. He said that he sort of thinks that that Brunson and Hardaway will each get some votes. Um, I don't think like I don't. Hmm, I guess a couple more wild ass performances like the last several games is going to have to make a statement at least for his overall stats. But he's been doing these things as a starter, uh, so True, it's, it, yeah. I, I do. I do think he gets some votes more than anything else. And and Josh Bow and I talked about this. I think this this has these these games have been a, a reminder of why he is just so valuable. And and a lot of Mavs fans kind of want to move on from him. And I understand why. But the grass is not always greener. Um. And and, and Hardaway is dope. I just I, I love the role that he settled in with for the Mavs.
5: Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, a lot of his best games have come in the starting lineup, but. Um, I do think, I think probably one of the guys from the jazz, either, uh, Ingalls or Clarkson will probably get the award, but I think I might have him third. I haven't really like done the deep dive, but I definitely think it'll end up on ballots.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, thanks for joining us. You got anything else?
5: Uh, no, that's all I wanted to ask you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. All right. Coming up next, Blake. I've not seen Blake in forever. Blake, what's going on? Blake, you there?
7: Can you How hear you me? Doing? Yep, you sound great. Hey, awesome. Sorry, I forgot I requested to speak, oh, honestly. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, no problem. Um,
7: yeah, uh, just uh, always a good uh, good night anytime we can blast Miami. Uh, mm. But, yeah, just not to uh, rehash too much what everyone's been saying, but it's just awesome to see Josh Green Get some burn and have a have such a good game. I honestly, I he might be the second smartest player on our team behind Luca with some of the some of the plays he makes. It's it's obvious the the basketball IQ is there. It, it just needs, I, I guess, more time to develop. But I mean, he, he's he made some really awesome plays where it's just like I have no idea how he saw that pass or. Um, there was a play, a uh, hustle play made, trying to save the ball in bounds. I don't know if we ended up with it or not. But just, you know, the wherewithal to, to throw it off of the Miami play, just different stuff is really, really neat to see. Absolutely. I, the
0: energy stuff, you just, you know, Dwight Powell gets a lot of grief because the man gets hit in the face every, you know, five to six minutes. But before <laughs> green, it seems like, like, he, he was the only, Dwight was the only other guy like doing that sort of stuff. Like no no other Mav was really like like just laying it all out there. And it's it's just nice to have another guy do it.
7: Yeah yeah absolutely. And I think sort of to touch on something you said earlier, uh, just about the athleticism that he brings, you know, and 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 it kills me too the just the the pace the slow pace we play at and, and this the what seems like. Uh, lethargy sometimes and like like just uh, you know apathy like the team doesn't care. I think might actually just be that we're our starting five is so unathletic, at least when they're healthy. With uh, KP and uh, you know he he's just lost athleticism, I guess, from injuries and mm-hmm. uh, Max Maxi and and Jay Rich since you know COVID just haven't looked the same. And obviously Luca likes to play at a slow pace anyway. And right, uh, I I don't know. I think I think some athleticism being injected. Could could really uh could really help us.
0: It's wild watching the guy jump like that because I was trying to explain this on Twitter because so many guys in the NBA are like one footed leapers, and Mm -hmm. he's like the he's like Russell Westbrook is like this where when Russell Westbrook jumps it's like he's he's on a his own personal trampoline where he presses (laughs) down and he's getting ready to squat and then all of a sudden he's like three feet above the rim. And it's really fun to watch that, like dudes do that. Dwight Powell's like, was like this. and it, He was really like this pre Achilles, um, where the with having those mm-hmm. sorts of leaps. And it's just, it's, it's surprising because, you know, the one of the things that separates some of the very, very best players, like Derek Jones Jr. up in Portland, is like this, is these guys have played against hyper athletic guys their whole life. But then you're like seeing the 1% of the 1%. And when, you know, the, the one layup that, that green, cause green was only one of two from the field and the layup that he made, it wasn't even like a layup. It was like a, it was like a teardrop where he was outside the box and was just so damn high up that he just managed to drop it in. It's fun. Yeah, to watch it was like a George Durbin
7: sort of finger roll. Um, <laughs> almost. <laughs> it's well, it's yeah. what
0: Josh bow has, but was like super pissed. The Mavs weren't able to get Aaron Gordon because he wants to see Luca paired with like a super athlete, like uh Who's the guy with Charlotte? The other bridges. Uh, Miles Bridges.
7: Oh, yeah. wants to see yeah, like, yeah. Luca
0: paired with a dude like that. And just like someone who can like rain fire on the rim. So.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that might be what unlocks the next level of Luca. Like, kind of like when Nash went to Phoenix and was just surrounded by, you know, these athletic freaks like Amari and uh, Sean Marion and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, et-, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it could be what what really opens up uh, that next next level for Luca, but guess we'll see. Absolutely. Well, thanks for hanging out. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. A uh, good win and go maps. Thanks for having me up.
0: Yeah, of course. Sorry. I forgot to, uh, to bring you on earlier. It's uh, I tend to go through people in order and I need to get better. Um, in my hosting duties about bringing people on and letting them know. So coming up next, we're going to have Doug. Uh, you guys have heard Doug plenty of times. Doug is great. Uh, Doug, how are you tonight? doing great how are you we're doing well we're it's a little after midnight so we went longer than i wanted to go but i always feel like you, know, you got to milk got to milk these happy times cuz like that kings game we were all so lethargic this poor kings fan joined he was
9: trying to be friendly and everyone wanted none <laughs> of his shit uh <laughs> it was great. well it's definitely something that uh you know I think that there's going to be several good good uh good nights ahead still heading towards the playoffs and uh so I think you know that's my hope is that uh, the Mavs can just build some momentum in in these games that are still ahead I think there's seven left on the schedule and uh I it's if it's okay I'd like to circle back to uh just you know we were talking earlier you guys were talking earlier about uh when Luka gets doubled high uh out, out by half court actually I'm not exactly sure what triggers that if that's uh, when uh, either uh, Willie Cauley-Stein or Powell come to the high post because it seems like that they're the ones that are left there at the free throw line and then that's a moment of terror for me to see them because then they have to make decisions. Uh, They have to do something with the ball. In fact, one of the best things that might be you know, if somebody could get it to through their head is just hold on to it just for one count, because it seems like they're immediately trying to get get the ball out of their hand. And that's when the just absolute chaos ensues. And so I don't know if, if there's a way to uh, e- either uh, look to see as far as that of, of where that is. Uh, what triggers that? Because it seems like that's the time when it's—it's it's not necessarily Luca making a turnover. It's either Powell or Willie Cauley Stein at the free throw line, really, with not even anybody on them, and them just trying to get rid of the ball so quickly.
0: It's tough because do they're sending they're sending guy a double at Luca. They're varying when it happens, they meaning opposing teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, You saw a couple of times against Miami tonight, the double happened as Luca had already known it was coming, but he was, like, inside the three-point line, and there was another dude chasing him, and it just kind of tends to throw defenses into chaos. I can't help but think, and I have nothing to, to back this up, but... As a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I watched Andy Reid for most of the twenty twenty one or twenty 2020, twenty twenty one season. Just sort of, you know, what a, Bill Simmons. We're an hour into the podcast. No one will forgive this. He would refer to it as like the Milton Berle thing, like the just the tip type aspect where he would only show enough to make it work. And and that's kind of what I think Carlisle tries to do. And and no one, I, I, I can't prove it. But the the simplest way to break that sort of thing is do a guard guard screen roll. Like put, put everybody else like, like send Dwight Powell under the basket, have the other two guys in the corners and have Jalen Brunson set the high screen. And then you pass to him and then it becomes a four on three that way. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't think they want to do that sort of stuff yet because they don't want to have tape on it. Uh, because then the more, the more tape there is, the more the other teams can counter. And Carl is that paranoid. Let's make no mistake about that. Like, the man is a pain in the butt about turning in uh, injury report stuff, about turning in lineups. He absolutely
9: is, is concerned about these sorts of things. Well, and, and you, you, you hit exactly one of the people that I thought if you could get them to be the, the guy that, who is getting the ball at the top of the circle or at the free throw line is the Jalen Brunson. That would be perfect because he, I mean, he's not necessarily going to uh, pass it on to somebody else. He's going to just look for his own shot, but that's okay. Uh, so much better than, like I said, Powell or Willie Colley Stein and they're just going crazy at that point. And and obviously we're not gonna see a whole lot of Nico Melli in meaningful minutes, but he's another guy that I think makes good decisions and doesn't just throw the ball, just kind of it doesn't just go crazy at that point. But again, he's not gonna see meaningful minutes and so it's not gonna be him. But I do like the, the idea of Brunson being kind of that safety valve because he'll turn in he'll, he'll get his own shot. He'll do something good with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options. I think that they're
0: saving some of the Luca, at least I'm hoping, I hope they, they, they use Luca as the screener more and more mm. because Luca in a, in a short roll situation is horrifying. There's, there's no stopping it. And it's just like putting KD or LeBron and, and but guys just don't want to do it. Like for some reason, I don't know why, like they'd, like, Luca
9: would get fouled every single time if he was a short roll man. It drives me nuts. Well, I think that the, the the fact is that the guy who's setting that pick takes some physical punishment that most guys just don't want to do. And so that's probably why it's not more of that. <sighs>
0: well, there's a whole – we could do – you know, maybe that's an idea for an season series of can the Mavericks set any screens, a power <laughs> ranking? Because, like, none of them can except for Dwight Powell. And he, you know, like my wife keeps remarking about how like banged up he looks. And I'm like, the man just takes abuse. No one else except for him and Boban set any sort of screens.
9: Well, I, I do think that, uh, you know, the Mavs are going to see a steady diet of that high double team. And so they need to have something better than having either Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein being the one who receives the ball because uh, there's so much more that can be done or Going the other direction, there's so much uh, bad that can happen if those are the guys that are going to be that safety valve.
0: That's right. I agree. Uh, it's daunting to think about.
9: Well, Doug, do you got anything else? No, that's it. Thanks for having me out. Of course, appreciate
0: you coming up. All right, taking us home is going to be our new Mavs Moneyball newest staffer, Xavier. Xavier, how are we? I'm
10: I'm a lot better than the last. You sound time, better. I'm not going to. You sound yeah, more just- joyful. I listened back to myself on a podcast and I just wanted to flick myself between the eyes and tell me to, to snap out of it. But I am here to poo-poo on Josh Green, unfortunately. <laughs> um, look, the guy stinks and that's okay, right? He's 19. We didn't have a training camp. We haven't had any practices. Look, man, the guy's, you know, he's green, no pun intended. And look, the, look, we were under 500 and we were trying to dig ourselves out of a hole. And even now, Every game matters. This isn't a time to, to let Green go out there and work through his mistakes. You know what I'm saying? And, look, that that's what comes with being on a vet, on a veteran team that's ready to win now, which that's what that's what we are, right? We look at Bay and we look at these other guys and they're playing now, but that's because their team either stinks so they don't have the depth necessary um, to kind of bring their rookies along slowly because, ideally, you want to bring them along slowly. And, look, just with the way this team has been playing, we haven't had consistent enough shooters, and we just can't afford to have Green out there alongside another non-shooter because it just clogs up the pain for Luka. Um, so, look, this isn't the year for him. We, sh- we, I don't think he should play a single minute in the playoffs because remember when they were doubling Luka and they were forcing Dorian Finney-Smith to shoot every shot? Now. Yep. Man- they did that with Josh Green. He might be the first player to shatter a backboard from a jump shot. I want no parts of that. So, look, Green, he'll get a training cap on his belt this offseason. And, you know, he can be a part of the rotation because, unfortunately, and it's a preview of my next article on Mavs Ball. but I think Tim Hardaway Jr., this is his last season with us, so I think that's going to open up a spot in the rotation. And I think we'll bring along Green next year. But this season, I, I just – I want – today it helped, right? The Heat are tired. The injury depleted. So, yes, yeah. he was great against the tired legs. And, look, in the you're not going to see the type of defenses in the regular season that teams are going to play in the playoffs why because they require a lot of energy and coaches are smart enough to know that if you ask your team to do something that requires a lot of energy at this point in the season you're going to see a lot of mental mistakes so they're going to simplify the defense and that's why green can come in and be a playmaker because he's not fl- facing playoff caliber defenses and playoff caliber defenders so he's going to look better in the regular season than he would come playoff time so look i'm it gives me hope for next year and moving forward. But, I'll, yeah, I don't want to see sure. a few minutes in the playoffs, man. It's going to look ugly. I, but- don't think,
0: I don't think we will either. But it's <laughs> nice that, that he can steal some minutes right now. Because if you look at the schedule, these guys are just playing. I mean, let me pull up the schedule here. So, they play again on Thursday. They play Saturday. No, they play Thursday, Friday. Then they play Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Sunday. I mean, they just play. They're, they're playing three out of every four nights. And so for him to be able to steal those minutes tonight was really valuable because not only do they pick up the win, they they hang with the Lakers or uh, the Lakers who somehow beat um, the way they beat the the Nuggets last night pissed me off because they just fouled Jokic half to death. Um, but it just gives gives the Mavs a little bit of cushion. I think that you know Luca not playing a lot of minutes was delightful and and really Richardson and. You yeah, know, just like Finney Smith finally play. you know, Finney Smith's minutes are often wild if you check it game to game. And so just get him a little bit of rest was great. So they can, you know, theoretically, if, if depending on what happens with Brooklyn, because half that team's hurt, you know, they could really be heading into that final stretch run that you've been talking about for a couple of days, you know, uh, with a really nice win streak. I mean, who knows? It's it's. I, I feel good about these minutes just because it was
10: a bit of a gift. Yeah. No, I look, I'll, I'll take anything that leads to a win. I'm, we're, look, we're calling to the playoff line. So I just want to get there and be healthy. And, you know, if the ball boy can hit a corner three, fuck it. Throw him in there. Just get us a win somehow. But um, but that's – you want to go to bed. But um, that's all I have to say.
0: Thanks for hanging out, Xavier. You've been, you've been waiting the whole full hour. Um, okay. So we're going to cut this off now. Uh, and I'm going to post this. Appreciate everybody hanging out. Tell your friends to join us. We have a remarkably weird good time. Uh, come to MavsMoneyball.com I don't know what we have tomorrow. I'll be posting this in the podcast feed probably tomorrow afternoon for everybody's drive by home. Uh, because otherwise, I'm, I'm I can tell how long people listen to these things and like anything, any podcast of mine like that we do on Mavs MoneyBall that goes over an hour, you just see like a plummet around the 45 minute mark. <laughs> and so, slapping this and our normal podcast together makes like an hour, 45 minute podcast. So, <laughs> you know, who wants to listen to that? Apparently, enough people though. All right. This has been Kirk Anderson, and we appreciate you from uh, Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. We will talk to you guys in uh, Thursday night. Everybody have.